Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So, like I said, we're starting a brand new book this evening. And I want to thank you guys for being here. I know the last two Wednesdays we were off, and so coming back, it's like, okay, um, we're back into it. Um, we're an overview of the book of Ezekiel. It contains 48 chapters. And just keep this in mind, uh, some weeks we're going to go slow, and other weeks we're going to cover four to five chapters a week. And I want you to know that, again, it's just kind of different. I was looking at where it could be, and probably, guys, we're going to be looking at, oh, probably 16 to 18 weeks. So going through, even it has as many chapters, Wednesday nights is going to be all the way probably till May. And uh, so let me give you sort of a brief overview, if you will, uh, before we jump into our 28 verses. Um, I would start it out something like this, like, how can you cope, if you will, in a world that's gone astray? How can you cope? See, think about Ezekiel this way. Ezekiel's destined to begin his life and ministry as a priest at the age of 30. That's going to be very interesting as we make our way through the book. Ezekiel supposed to be a priest. He was uprooted from his homeland, and he was marched off to Babylon at the age of 25. For five years, he languished in despair. At the age of 30, he had this majestic vision of Yahweh's glory captivated while he was still in Babylon. One thing that really jumped out to Ezekiel, one thing that really just impacted him in just an amazing way, and I think it's such great application for us, Ezekiel learned that God was not confined to the native land, his native homeland of Israel. Your attention, please. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm over here, and Lord, um, you're over here in Israel, (laughs) and and you're not going to hear me over here. And and I'm making Adam go crazy with the camera. But you guys understand. But he learned. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Here's what he learned. He learned that God was, well, he was in Babylon as well. He learned that, again, it was like he's a universal God who commands and controls persons and nations. And what God did in Babylon, God imparted to Ezekiel his word for his people. Your attention, please, that's like us. You see, sometimes we're not home and we feel like God doesn't hear our prayers. And let me just encourage you, God hears your prayers. He just, he has them and he's listening to them. You feel like, man, I'm not in my homeland. I want to go home. I'm tired. And I don't know how many of you are tired of this world, but we can pray and know that God is here because we see it in his word. Well, guess what happened? What happened was this experience here to Ezekiel, Guys, it transformed Ezekiel's life. This vision. Well, what happened? As a result of this encounter with God, the cherubim, the throne of God, it transformed him. As a result, he became avidly devoted to God's word. And the same should happen to us. 
The more when we encounter God, the more we, we're in his presence, guys, it does the same thing from the inside. It transforms us to be devoted to God in his word. And Ezekiel, wow, he realized that he had nothing personally to assist the captives. He's like, I, I don't know what to do. But he was convinced of one thing. You ready? He was convinced that God's word spoke to their condition and to give them victory in it. It's the same for us. As Ezekiel's sitting there, and you're going to see this, this whole vision, he was convinced, guys, he was convinced that God's word spoke to them supernaturally in a personal way and gave them victory in it. And that's what the transformation means. But as we go on in the book of Ezekiel, I find that he's, there are some unconventional ways that God wants to communicate to his people. If you've gotten ahead of me, I mean, there are, there are various methods to convey God's word. He uses an art drawing to depict Jerusalem. He uses symbolic actions and unusual conduct to secure their attention. We'll learn next week that God asks Ezekiel to lay on his side for 390 days. That's a long time. I don't know about you, but when I'm in bed, I flip and flop around a lot. And it's like, I'm on my right side. I'm on my left. I'm on my back. No, 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 no. And I was thinking about this, but God has a point, and he's going to supernaturally help Ezekiel. But that will be next week. One of the, con- one of the unconventional ways, and you need to understand this from a Hebrew point of view, he asked him to cut his hair and his beard to demonstrate that what God would do to Jerusalem and their inhabitants. So again, you're thinking everybody, these are just what we call, oh, let me see where I put this on my notes here, guys. These are going to be what I call living videos of what God wants Jerusalem to see. Living videos. Now, Allow me for just a moment to give you a brief outline as well as a foreshadowing of Jesus. This is key. If you're taking note, chapters 1 through 3 is going to be the call of the prophet. This is where God calls Ezekiel as a prophet. Very, very important, and I'll explain in just a moment. In chapters 4, all the way to 24, chapters 4 to 24, we're going to see God's judgment on Jerusalem. God's judgment on Jerusalem. And it's going to be given before the siege of Jerusalem. So so from chapters 4 all the way, we're going to be talking about God's judgment on Jerusalem. And let me, let me preview by saying some of these Wednesday nights, we might walk out of here like this, just feeling the weight of the text in God's judgment and us trying to find ourselves in the text and we'll feel the weight of that. Then in chapters 25 to 32, we're going to see God's judgment on the surrounding Gentile nations. He's going to judge them. And it was a given during the siege. So not only is God going to judge his people, but he's going to judge the surrounding. If you were to look at Chuck Missler's outline of this, he would write here that he's going to judge the Muslim nations. The Muslim nations. So he's going to judge Israel, but he's going to judge the Muslim nations. 
Then in chapters 33 through 36, we're going to see Israel return to their homeland. Return to their homeland. That is going to be key when we get there. That is key today. Why? Because what we're dealing right now with the war in Israel and the anti-Semitism, here's what we're finding. We're finding that there are Jewish people being persecuted here. And you know what their response is? I want to go home. They want to go back to Israel. They want to go where they're not. I mean, they would rather have bombs flying above them knowing they, they're one and protected than to be here and then having to fight and, and be afraid for their lives. We're going to see how God does that. Israel returns to their land. In chapter 37, we're going to see the Valley of Dry Bones. Chapters 38 and 39, that's the Magog invasion. We've talked about that over and over. In chapters 40 through 48, we're going to learn a futuristic, the Millennial Kingdom. The Millennial Kingdom. So this is going to cover the past, the present, and the future. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put on your thinking caps. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, where am I in the text? Where am I? In other words, we let the scripture read us, and we can do that as a nation. Okay, how are we here as a nation? How are we? And so forth. So we've got all of these. If you missed any of this, see me after church, and I'll give them to you get. But you got the call of the prophet. You got God's judgment on Jerusalem. God's judgment on the surrounding Gentiles nation. Israel returns to their land. The, um, the Valley of Dry Bones. You have the Magog invasion, and then you have the millennial kingdom. That's where you and I, as believers, will reign with Christ for a thousand years. A thousand years. Well, what's the foreshadowing, pastor? Well, when we get to Ezekiel 34, this chapter, wherein God denounces the leaders of Israel as false shepherds and for their poor care of his people. What was happening in Ezekiel 34, instead of caring for the sheep of Israel, they cared for themselves. In other words, they ate well. They were well clothed. They were well cared for by the very people that had been placed over. Well, by contrast, Jesus, according to John chapter 10, is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep and who protects them from the wolves who would destroy the flock. In verse 4 of Ezekiel 34, it describes a people whom the shepherds failed to minister to as weak, sick, injured, and lost. Ezekiel's going to tell them, come on, we've got a responsibility. This is what we're doing. And yet they wouldn't. They wouldn't care. Oh, look at me. I'm driving luxury cars. I've got it. Oh, you just... You know, and, and, but Jesus was the great physician who comes in in the foreshadowing and he heals our spiritual wounds. And by his death on the cross, he is the one who seeks and saves that which is lost. The book of Ezekiel it calls us to join in a fresh and living encounter with the God of Abraham, Moses, and the prophets. We must be overcomers or we will be overcome. 
Ezekiel's going to challenge us, guys, to experience life-changing vision of God's power, his knowledge, and his eternal presence and his holiness. To let God direct us, to comprehend the depth of and commitment to evil that lodges in the human heart. To recognize that God holds his servants responsible for warning wicked men of their peril to experiencing a living relationship with Jesus, who said that the new covenant is to be found in his blood. That's an overview. We're excited. This should be life-changing. And so with that as our intro, guys, let's jump into chapter one. Here's what I want to remind you of. There were three deportations of Israel to Babylon. Three deportations. The first deportation we learned about in the book of Daniel. It was Daniel and his friends who were taken, do you guys remember that? From Israel, about 900 miles to Babylon. That was the first deportation. What you need to set in your mind is, number one, when we read the book of Daniel, we think that King Nebuchadnezzar, or we like to call him King Nebuchadnezzar, remember, would come in and we thought he took and he sieged and he took all of Israel. He didn't. He left some. First deportation, here goes Daniel. And we studied the book of Daniel. Second deportation came a little bit later, and this is where um, this is where Ezekiel was taken. It was in the second deportation, and as a matter of fact, there was a third deportation. And it all covered a span of 11 years. So if you're taking note, we have three, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, first deportation, Ezekiel comes in the second, and then there was a third, leaving just a remnant of people there in Jerusalem. But I want you to think about this for just a moment. Think about leaving your homeland. Think about moving 900 miles away into a foreign land, into everything that you've ever known being so different. And your family not there, and your friends not there. And now they're trying to instill in you the Babylonian, the worldly ways. That's what's going on. We studied Daniel. We, we were encouraged and exhorted to be a Daniel. And now we're going to see someone else. Now, there's another thing you need to be aware of in the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. You go, what's that? Chapter 1 is going to give us a vivid description of what we call a cherubim, an angel, angelic. It's a cherubim, okay? Now, here's what blows my mind. Did you know that Satan was a cherub? Satan was a cherub. So he's going to, we can depict what he's going to show us, and we say, this is what Satan is, looks like. He's a cherub. He's a cherub. He's a cherub, and it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. But we also must remember, guys, there are different kinds of angels in the Word of God. The first group is called the cherubim, cherub or cherubim, and what you want to jot down is these were the angels in worship and praise to God. Satan was a cherub. He was the chief worshiper in the Bible. He was a cherub. And then you have, you have angels that are called the seraphim. So you've got the cherubim, 
you've got the seraphim, and then you have someone uh, called archangels. Anybody hear of an archangel? Most two in the archangels is known as Michael and Gabriel. And you go, yeah, I knew that. The Greek in the Greek meaning for archangels, guys, means chief angels. See, these are the chief. So you have those that are worshiping God, and then you have those, and then we have what we call living creatures as angelic beings. When Satan fell, he took one third of the angels. A lot of them are here on earth. A lot of them right now are are being manifested. You're going to see demonic activity the closer we get to the Lord's return. There are some, I believe, that are in the abyss that's going to be released when the tribulation happens. But right now, when you think of things, I want you to think that as we get closer to the return of Jesus, you're going to see an increase in demonic activity around the world. You go, Ben, 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 you don't even have to tell me that. I can see that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I can see that there are, oh my goodness, evil is not even hiding its face anymore. It's going to increase. You need to be aware of that. If you're taking note, it'll be on the screen. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. Notice, speaking of Satan, he says, You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth on the midst of the fiery stones. Who's he talking? He's talking about Satan. So we're going to get a picture of Satan. Now, let's jump into, if you're taking note, this would be your headline, Ezekiel's vision of God. Ezekiel's vision of God. Verse 1. Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month of the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chibar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Before we go on, guys, and continue reading, remember Ezekiel was taken captive He's been in Babylon for how long? Five years. Everybody say five years. He goes out to pray like he normally would. And I want you to feel the weight of the text. Ezekiel's been in a place where he just does not like. He's been there for five years. Like, listen, I'm okay with being captive. We're in captivity. When is this thing going to end? But now it's been five years. You see, on October 7th, the war in Israel started with Hamas. October 7th. We were slated to go to Israel next month. I told everybody, hey, let's watch out. It's probably going to be over in in a couple of weeks. It's probably going to be done in a month or two. Don't worry. We're going to go to Israel. Well, again, how long has it been since October, November, December? Now we're going on four months, and it doesn't seem like there's an end in sight. But four months compared to five years? That's where we find Ezekiel. Ezekiel had just turned 30. What happens when you were 30 is he was supposed to become a priest. I mean, he is looking forward to this. Wow, okay. And now now that's not going to happen. Why? Because he's in a foreign land. Something happens. Ezekiel says, I saw visions of God. Right here, Ezekiel gets promoted, not from priest, but to prophet. From priest to prophet. And so it's so cool. It's so cool to see. Now, here's the application I want you to take home. You go, what's that? I want you to think about the five years that Ezekiel was waiting 
and praying and waiting and praying and waiting and praying. Four months go by, okay, maybe this thing will be over. Or maybe Ezekiel read the book of Jeremiah or knew that this was going to be, what, 70 years. But nonetheless, he's like, man, can you imagine? It's my 30th birthday. I was supposed to be a priest. That's 900 miles away from here. My question to you, church, is I wonder how many times Ezekiel wanted to quit, wanted to give up, wanted to say, I'm done, wanted to throw in the towel. Hey, I'm in Babylon. Might as well be a Babylonian. Might as well just live like Babylonians, man. Forget it. I wonder how many times he felt like God didn't hear. One year, two years. God, do you hear? God, I'm supposed to be a priest next year. I want to serve you with all my heart. God's going, I don't think he's hearing me. I think, wow. But Ezekiel didn't quit, did he? He went out by the river Chibar where he always went, and he just prayed. And he just prayed. I found this quote. It's from an anonymous person. It says, the moment you're about to quit is the moment right before the miracle happens. Don't give up. No, I, I quit. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. No, 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 no. Stay. Stay the course. Stay the course. You go, Ben, time out. Dude, five years, though. Ezekiel, five years. Let's be honest. We can't wait five minutes sometimes, right? We live in a what I call a microwavable world. I mean, we put it in two and a half minutes. I want it done. And that's how we are with God. We have instant everything. And so when we go to pray, I'm the same as you. I want it. Lord, hear me. Listen, listen. See, right now I've been praying about something. And I was driving my truck this morning. I'm like, okay, God, give me a sign. If this is what it... And I'm like, no, I'm not going to pray that way anymore. I want to find it in your word. I want you to speak so I know your will. But I have a question for you. Because some of you here have been praying and you have been waiting. And you've been waiting and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been waiting. What should we do? Well, what do waiters do? They serve. What do waiters do? They serve, don't they? And while you're waiting, what should you do? Serve. Serve. It's always too early to quit. For Ezekiel, it was five years. But for you, it might be five months. It might be five years. It might be 10 years. It might be 15 years. You're praying, you're praying, you're praying, you're praying. And you're praying. And you're praying. What should we do while we wait? Just continue to serve. Continue to serve. Continue to serve. Verse 2, on the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year, King Jehoiakim's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chibar. In the and the hand of the Lord was upon him. Now, again, looking at this, something jumps out at us. You go, what's that? Underline the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel. 
You go, why would I underline expressly? Because back then, guys, the word of God, the word um, would come upon them. They would come upon them. The word of God would come to these men. Now, again, the people would come to the prophets to get the word of God. We, we, we see that here. Now, we don't have the, that office of prophet today. Why? Because we have the canon of Scripture. You got that? But still, people can prophesy the word of God. You go, what's the difference? Well, if you're up here and you're preaching and teaching the word of God, you're exercising the gift of prophecy as you're telling forth God's word. Back then, it would be your foretelling God's word. When Ezekiel got it, he goes, okay, I'm going to foretell God's word. And everybody would listen. Oh, see, it came expressly, expressly. How wonderful is the Holy Spirit who lives in every one of us that when we read the, the word of God, whether individually or collectively, man, we, we get what, what God wants us to get. And back then, Ezekiel, okay, buddy. And it says, the hand of the Lord, notice, was upon him. The hand of the Lord. Without getting into a whole teaching of the Holy Spirit, before Jesus and the Holy Spirit would come upon men, back then, they would come upon them, and then they would leave. Why? Because without the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit could not take up residency in a person. It could come upon them, and then it'd have to leave. Do you remember my Jesus? My Jesus said, it's, it's, it's beneficial for me to go home. It's expedient for me to go home. I, because then, then the Holy Spirit can come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, guess what? He not only now comes upon us as well, but he comes and he lives inside us. Something that he couldn't do in the Old Testament. And that should be reason to praise God. It's like, wow. The Old Testament, Ezekiel would be going, how does that feel? How does that look like? Well, he came upon me and that was so cool. But then he left and I was like, but today he's on you. And then he comes upon you and you're walking with him daily and you get to pray. (laughs) They were so, they were so, they would be so stoked just to talk to us. What was that like? What was that like to pray? Wow. Wow. You see, the Holy Spirit today would come upon us. The three Greek words, guys, are he's going to pada when he comes alongside us. He begins to knock on our heart. And then when we accept the Lord, he comes inside us. It's the Greek word en. But then we have what we call epi. It's the epi experience when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. The problem is, is that too many people, too many churches, too many televangelists, too many things have ruined the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and people are afraid of it. Oh, oh man, I don't know about that church. They were speaking in some weird language, and, and, they've, and they've just abused it so much that Christians are afraid of it. But I'm here to tell you today, don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of the, of the Holy Spirit coming upon you and using you and blessing you and giving you Scripture. It's the baptism. Whatever you want to call it, just make sure you have it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north. Check this out. 
a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it, radiating out of the midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. This, is, this, this blows my mind because Ezekiel's sitting there. He's watching the river go by. He looks at this vision, and he sees this tornado, this tornadic storm coming, and he says, man, it's coming out of the north, which is key. Why? Because the Bible tells us that God's throne is in the north, and it dwells in the clouds. You go, what do you mean? Yeah, in Psalm 75, verse 6, it talks about God's throne being out of the north. And then in 16 verses, it talks about God dwelling in the cloud. But, but think about this. It says this. I look, behold, this whirlwind is coming out of the north. We know that the, the throne is in the cloud. With a great cloud raging with fire, engulfing us out. In the brightness, guys, can you imagine? Can you imagine? And, and I wonder what he's just like. I mean, he's just totally tripping because... I'm thinking about what he's seen, and it's just like, man, this is no normal storm. I don't know about you, but I don't know if it was this tornado or the tornadic or just this thing coming, and then and he's just seen, and there's all these colors, and it says, man, check it out. It says it was radiating out of the midst of the color amber, this like beautiful green out of the midst of fire. So I don't know if you can describe that. And now look at verse 5. Also from within it came the likeness. And I want you to circle the likeness because Ezekiel is having a hard time trying to describe all of this. And he's just going, man, it it sort of looks like this. And he's going to describe the cherubim. Check it out. Also from within it came the likeness. What are they? Of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces. Each one had four wings, their legs were straight, and the soles of their foot were like the soles of calves feet. They sparkled like the color of of burnished bronze. The hands of men were under their wings, on their four sides, and each one of them had four faces and wings. Their wings touched one another, and their creatures did not turn when they went. But each one went straight forward. As for, there it is again, guys, the likeness of their faces. Each one had the face of a man. Each had four, had the face of a lion on the right side. Each had the face of an ox on the left side. Each of the four had a face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings were stretched upward. Two wings, each one touched one another and two covered their bodies. Wow. This is an angelic being that is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Why? Well, again, he goes, okay, listen, this is as best as I can describe them. This is his best. Um, here, here's what I find. They're, they're sort of like the likeness of man, look like the body of a man. He said, but they all had four faces. Each had four faces. And, and then they had four wings. So you got two this way, and it said two covering their bodies. And, and, and I mean, can you imagine? Their feet, they had like legs, but their feet were calves' feet. I mean, to me, I'm just like, wow. This is a trippy vision, man. This is, this is, and, and he says, and the hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides. And when they spread their wings and they touched the other wings. Okay? And when they moved, they went straight forward. He said, but let me tell you about their face. Their face was the face of a man, the face of a lion, 
the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. Now, what jumps out to you in this text? You go, what's that? Guys, it's the New Testament. It's the Gospels. Why? It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? Because the four Gospels proclaim this way. The evangelist writes, okay? And I'll give it to you in, in just a moment. But think about this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it's going to tie in real good. But let me give you a side note before I do that. When we think of Satan, we often think of him, and, and it's portrayed when we were little that it's a red devil with horns and a pitchfork and a pointy tail and all this stuff. No, he just described what Satan looks like right here. He just described, you know, I mean, and, and really think about this, man. Not only is Satan a two-face, he's actually a four-face, Right? Not only is he the father of lives, but, but he's actually got four faces. Now, back to um, the, the faces. One of them is an ox, right? Slash cow. And I think that's interesting. Why? Because if Satan was very much this, what happens to your mind when you think about it? You go, Ben, 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 wait, 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 wait. I remember Israel, when they wanted to go back to Egypt, right? Remember, what do they do? Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's getting the law. He's talking to God. What happened? The Israelites in rebellion built a golden calf. And you're like, wow. You go, Ben, what's the point? Here's the point. You ready? Because Satan is very anti-Christian, anti-Christ. The word anti means both against, but also to imitate. And so what Satan always wants to do is he wants to counterfeit everything that God is. And so if God is, and he goes, man, here's, here's this angelic cherubim that is, are you kidding me? He says, you know what I'm going to do? In order to in order to get people to worship me, I'm going to make a I'm I'm going to have them make a golden calf and carry it back to Egypt. Think about think about India. What is one of the things that they worship? Exactly. Exactly. And so Satan here is again the Antichrist again. Here, he always wants to take what is holy and use it in a counterfeit way to worship him. He always wants to do that. Let me give you some, just, I don't know, something that we need to be aware of. The one thing we need to be aware of, specifically in our day, is something called AI, artificial intelligence. We have to be so careful, and I'll tell you why. Because artificial intelligence can counterfeit, if you will, people whom we love and proclaim a message in which we will listen. We can do that. They can probably make a statue come to life using artificial intelligence and proclaim this is the way of the new world. You have to grasp that. Why? Because that's exactly what Satan wants to do. And if you don't remember, 
there was this giant bull of worship in the world somewhere, and this just coming to mind. I don't remember, so I can't give you exactly, but but it, this, is, this is crazy. This is crazy. As a matter of fact, if you're not careful, even now on your social media, you'll be flipping through and you'll have an AI representation of Jesus telling you that if you do certain things, you will be blessed. Hi, I'm the Lord Jesus, and you're going to be blessed in 12 minutes if you... That's not the God of the Bible. If you hop on one foot and, you know, I was like, that's not God. Okay, and here's what I like to do. I go to the comments and you'll have 10,000 people. Most of them comment exactly what he says. They're looking for a blessing. Oh, if I do this, I'm going to be blessed. If I do this, I'm just going to get that money. Oh, if I do this, man, my thing. And, And people are hungry. Ooh, oh, Lord, thank you. They're hungry for spiritual things, but they don't want the God of the Bible. We got to be careful, church. We got to be careful. So now you have these cherubims. Look at verse 12. This is how they move. And each one went straight forward. The way they went, wherever they spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they want. Now, keep this in mind. It's the spirit who leads these angelic beings. You with me? But they would move straight forward. Okay? They didn't turn. They weren't doing they they could only go this way, they could go this way, they're straight. And and again, we're gonna keep this now. I want you to just underline that, but keep it in mind as we continue in our, our study because they can move straight forward and they didn't turn where they wanted to go. There's two things you need to grasp. They're there, they went where the spirit led them. That should be us. You go, Amen. Lord, I'm gonna be spirit led but they can only go side to side or straight. He goes on, as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning, and the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. Okay, grasp that, guys. So they moved that fast, that it looked like lightning. Whoa, did you see that? Lightning. Wow. This is what he's saying. Now, as I looked, there there he is, there's Ezekiel. As I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. And the appearance of a wheel and their workings was like the color of beryl and all four had the same likeness. Their appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of the wheel. I went to the internet and I typed in as much as I could and I've got all kinds of stuff with this wheel within a wheel. It kind of looks like a gyroscope, if you know what I'm talking about. It's just wheel with a wheel and a wheel. And now all there's all four. There's four wheels next to the four living creatures. Okay? And when they moved, this is key, guys, and when they moved, they went toward any one of the four directions. They did not turn aside when they went. As for their ruins, they were so high and they were so awesome. I want you to circle that word awesome here in verse 18. 
that the rims were full of eyes, all around four of them. When living creatures, when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. So now you have, you have these angelic things, these, these angels, four-faced angels, four wings, two covering their body. Feet look like calves. I mean, fire and lightning. And when they moved, it looked like lightning. And you had these wheels within these wheels. And these wheels had eyes. And it thinks that you had too much pizza right before bed because you think you're having this really crazy dream. If I'm, if I'm Ezekiel, I'm like, I'm out. Let me be a, let me be a pastor. I don't want to do this because this is nuts. But I told you to circle that word for awesome in verse 18 because the word there, I found it jumped out of scripture. It means majestic. It was like, oh my goodness. That's what it means. Oh my goodness. And he says, they had these rims and these rims are so high and they were just majestic. Majestic. Now, I want to camp out here for just a moment, okay? I want to camp out here for just a moment. I want to paint this picture because we have these angelic beings with four faces, wings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But now Ezekiel draw, it describes this wheel within a wheel rims that are full of eyes. Two schools of thought on this. Some people feel like they are alive, like they can be angels of themselves. Ophium is what they're called. And then others go, no, 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 no. They're part of the angelic beings. But technically, we don't know. But I want to give you those two schools of thought. Why? Because there's something happening that you need to, to be aware of. And you go, what's that? It happened back in the 80s. Rain, I don't know if you remember this, but we had this huge thrust of, well, there's aliens, as people began to talk about the rapture, we, we began to notice there were more UFO sightings. And what they said is that when, instead of to explain away raptures, they would what? They would say UFOs came and got them. And there was this big, and, and about the 90s and 2000, it died, but it's now making its way back up. Oh, did you see that? Did you see this? Wow. Now, when someone claims to see a UFO, as a matter of fact, Las Vegas, New Mexico, June 12th last year, there was a reporting that made the national, the national news. This, this policeman is driving and he sees this green thing and it, and it doesn't turn, it just kind of moves and it's gone. And so he's calling, look it up on the, on, on the YouTube. He says, hey, uh, did anybody see that? And so at that point, somebody from the town calls in and says, man, we saw this thing. Do you know what it was? And so forth and so forth. And so now everybody's like, oh, UFOs. And oh, what are we going to do? This is, oof, okay, okay. Um, well, that's a good way to explain the rapture. What happened to Bethany Harris? She was here yesterday. What happened? Oh, UFOs came and got her. Really? Yeah, they were all over. That's how they're going. And again, it's this movement, right? It's this movement. And yet all the, I mean, all the UFOs are going to get all of us, right? If you're a believer and they're just like, they're going to take us all up. You go, Ben, what's, what, what, what's, what's the point? What are you we're trying to get at? When most people describe a flying saucer, 
It has the lights that go around that move very fast from east to west. And I believe this is demonic. I, I believe that's demonic activity or demons in the sky. You see, when Jesus comes back for his church, one explanation, like I told you, will be UFOs took his people. UFOs. Aliens. It was Pastor Jack Hibbs who actually taught this, this UFO chatter. It continues to circulate thanks to the Pentagon's recently released report. He said, are they satellites, experimental aircraft, or maybe, just maybe, visitors from beyond the moon? Well, according to Pastor Jack Hibbs of Calvary Chapel Chino Hills, he says no. He says in his latest sermon, he said he believes that the, these documented UFO activity dating back to Roswell incident in 1947 is real, but they are not aliens. It is demons. Remember I told you that these Ophium, these wheels within a wheel, could be angelic? Now remember, you have one-third of the angels that fell. And so now, if a cherubim had fell, or Ophium had fell, part of that, could they now be in demonic activity? If they're still part of, if they're still part of these cherubim who fell, it can still be demonic activity. So you have fallen angels who are demons and demonic activity. Now, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Have you ever thought, is there life on other planets? Because we stop and we look at the... God created the universe and we're just a small part. The Milky Way is just a small part. And the sun is a small part and the earth is a very small part. And then we sit there, who is man that you are mindful of us? And, and did, God has certainly the right to create other planets and other people, aliens. But I don't think he does. And you go, no, no, here's why. Because the word of God declares that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. You guys with me? Well, the word all means all of God's creation. All of God's creation. And yet, here's what's key. It's singular, all of God's creation. And yet, Jesus only died here on earth to save man from being separated from him. You go, Pastor, your point. Jesus would have to go and die other places to save other creations. So I believe, this is just my opinion, I believe although God created this great vast expanse of, you know, I mean just, but I believe that there are no other life forms out there. And if there's alien, oh, I saw an alien, he was 10 feet tall, he had eyes this way, it's probably demonic. It's probably a demon manifesting in that sense. Why? Let me just say this, because Satan is going to pull all, he's going to put all the stops to get people to turn from God, whether it's demons or whatever it might be. Let me say it like this, Satan is never going to have a bad hair day. He's never going to say, oh, well, let me give you a break. 
you've been serving, he's going to continue and continue, especially those of us who are fully devoted to follower to following God. Now, he can't take your salvation, but he can definitely make you miserable that you'd be willing to quit. I wonder how many times he went to Ezekiel going, Ezekiel, what are you doing, man? Why are you praying? God doesn't hear you. He always questions God's word. God doesn't hear you. God doesn't hear you. God doesn't love you. What are you doing? Why? You? And, and Ezekiel, we have, to sh- we have to shut the noise down at that point. You have to shut down the noise and say, no, no, no. I need to walk by faith. I trust the Lord. I can't see all of what's going on, but I'm going to trust the Lord. Verse 20. Whenever the Spirit wanted to go, they went, because they were because there the Spirit went. And the wheels, guys, were lifted up together with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when these lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. So that was more on the cherubim. He's like, man, listen, they just moved. It was this this was this is crazy. Verse 22. The likeness of the firmament above their heads of the living creatures was like the color of this majestic crystal. So what's he doing? He's now giving us a description of the basically it's called the expanse here. It's um, it's called the firmament, but right now you have these you have these angelic creatures underneath this giant firmament, and he says, and it looked like crystal. And it reminds us of the the beautiful crystal sea in the book of Revelation and and so forth. And it's just and it's stretched out over their heads. He says, and under the firmament were the wings spread over uh, spread out straight. One toward each, each another, each one had two which covered one side, and each one had two which covered the other side of the body. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings. What did it sound like? It sounded like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, a tumult like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. And a voice, here we go, guys came from the firmament that was over their heads whenever they stood and let down their wings. Can you imagine? So when he, when they flew, when they moved, I mean, just the noise of their wings, man, like just water and just noise of an army. And then when they stood, it was like, and, and he's writing all of this down. And he's just, he's, I mean, you talk about the glory of the Lord. And he said, oh, oh, I, I heard a voice from, from the top. And it was over their heads. Okay, so picture, I'm a, I am a cherubim. Okay, I've got four faces. I've got wings that touch other wings. I've got two covering my body. And I've got this wheel within a wheel. But underneath, all right, I'm underneath. But above me, guess what? That's the throne of God. He's going to tell us what the throne of God looks like. This, this is going to blow your mind, guys. Look at verse 26. Above the firmament was the heads, notice, was the likeness of a throne. He can't describe it. It reminds me of when Paul went to heaven. Do you guys remember when Paul, he says, I saw things I just couldn't even explain. I saw things I couldn't even communicate. 
and people who have these, what they call near-death experience, or they actually, they say, man, I saw things, colors that I can't even, and this is what he's saying. You and I, and here just trying to describe this, he goes, here it is. Here's the throne. You ready? In appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was the likeness of the appearance of a man high above it. So now he's looking, he's looking at God. And I mean, first and foremost, this, the throne had a, it was just this sapphire stone. And he said, and from the appearance of his waist and upward, he said, I saw, as it were, the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around within it. What a spectacular view of the throne of God. He says, from his waist on downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around. So here's this spectacular brightness. There's fire, there's amber. He says, oh, 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 by the way, on the throne, he said, I saw the appearance of a rainbow in the cloud on a rainy day. The rainbow. This is encircling the throne room of the God who loves and cares for us. Remember what Satan does? What does he do? He takes that which is holy, which is good, which is pure, and he counterfeits it, and look what we've got. Look what we've got in our day and age. So the appearance of the brightness all around it and this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And so when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice of one speaking. Let me tell you, in studying this, when I read the throne room, the throne of God, when I tried to put all of this in my mind, and I was studying, and I was studying, this literally brought chills to my heart, thinking that our God is so majestic and powerful and beautiful, and there's fire, and there's, there's this rainbow, and it's on this sea. And I mean, and I'm thinking, wow, wow. And immediately I felt like Ezekiel needing to bow down, falling on my face in worship. Church, it's time we do a heart check when it comes to the worship of our God. He is so worthy to be praised. And let me say this. You might be going through a hard time. You might be going through a tough time. You might be struggling right now. Whatever it might be, emotions and all of this stuff, but one day you're going to be close to close on the throne of God, and none of this is going to even, it's not even going to matter. How can we worship God for, it's just, wow. You and I, sometimes, if there's a lightning storm and we can get out in our garage and we get to watch it, it's like, wow, that was so cool, especially at night. And then it lights up the sky and it's so amazing. This is like that on steroids times 10. The throne room, I mean, I mean, he's trying to say, he keeps using the word likeness. He can't describe it. Well, it looked like this. It looked like a man. 
And on the top part, it was like, wow, look at all this lightning and fire. And, and then, man, and then on the bottom, there was the appearance of a rainbow. And but this was the glory of the Lord. And so when, listen, and so when I saw it, I fell on my face. That's what we should be doing with our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Guys, I'm going to close with this, but I understand, and I need to be careful, I understand that there are certain liberties you can take when producing a Christian movie particularly the ones that depict Jesus. But on a YouTube clip that I saw earlier today, the scene was that of Jesus walking on the water. You guys know the story from the Bible, but what I found interesting was the guys on the boat were... Arguing with Jesus. Here he comes walking on the water. There's lightning, there's a storm. And the disciples are having a conversation with the argument overtones to God in the flesh. I understand that they have certain liberties and they want to make it as real as possible. But I don't think the disciples were at any point questioning, arguing, tripping about who Jesus was. And not particularly on that day when he came walking on the water. You know how I know? Because the Bible tells us that they were afraid and they said it's a ghost. And they were afraid of a ghost. And then it just tells us that Peter walked, he sunk in the whole nine yards. The point is, I don't want to take that attitude, knowing what Ezekiel saw, and worship my Jesus that way. I want to argue with him. God, I think you should do it this way. I think you should do that. Lord Jesus, you should be there. And maybe if you just did a little bit this way, Lord, and I don't understand why you're not healing me, but you're healing. Ezekiel says, no, no, no. Listen, when I saw this, worship, worship. So as we close, guys, Ezekiel sees this vision. He's reminded of the majestic throne of God and how wonderful and amazing and powerful God is. Next week, we're going to cover chapters 2 through 5, moving pretty quick. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us. We thank you, Lord. I'm just so, so blown away by your throne how majestic and awesome you are. Father, forgive us when we worship you and we don't pay you the proper reverence and homage. God, please, forgive us of our sins, Lord. Father, we might be here tonight and we might not be in a right relationship with you. 
Lord, you came to save, to seek and save those that were lost. And maybe tonight you're knocking on someone's heart to completely surrender. To God, through Jesus, forever. It's a work of the Holy Spirit, just like Ezekiel saw. And I pray that today, God, if there's anyone, whether watching online or listening by radio, that they would surrender their lives to you. with every eye closed and every head bowed, praying unto God, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I'm not in a right relationship with God. I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. If God is speaking to your heart, would you lift up your hand so I can pray for you? Would you say, Ben, pray for me? I'm ready to... Listen, I'm ready to surrender completely to him. God bless you, young man over here to my right. Anyone else? Anyone else? Lift up your hand. God bless you over here to my left. If you're serious of God, would you do me a favor? Those of you that lifted your, would you just stand with me right now? Because this is, this is serious. Will you just stand right now? That's all you got to do. Would you pray this prayer with me? Okay, and, and the prayer doesn't save you. Okay, words alone aren't sufficient, but if you'll just pray with all of your heart and say, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe he died for me. I don't deserve it, but I know he died for me. And I know today, God, I surrender to you. I believe he died, he, he was buried, and he resurrected on the third day. I'm asking that you would forgive me, Lord. I believe that. I confess my sins to you, and I'm asking you to help me today. I can't do this Christian life by myself. I can't do it on my own power. So please, come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you see my friend Keon back there, he's got his hand up. He wants to pray with you. He wants to give you a Bible. Just whatever you need to go on, and just see him before you leave. We're going to worship and thank you guys for being here. Love you, love you, love you, and you have a good night. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.